So there's some new words that we've been learning as we go through this very strange season, words that we haven't heard before. And one that I find really interesting is coronacation. Kind of the idea, I, I kind of like this idea. It's the idea of taking what has become a forced vacation and looking at the bright side and saying, how can we use that time? Like, like Joan just said, how can we use that time in a positive way? And so my, my daughter sent me something that I thought was fun. I wanted to share it with you this morning in case you haven't seen this, where people are recreating famous paintings at home just with things that they have uh, laying around the house. And so the, the first one here, Whistler's mother, not to scale. Uh, second one, I, I, I love this one. Uh, I'm pretty sure what's on that guy's head is a crock pot. So if you guys, if you have a roast at home working right now and, you know, just don't think about that if it's, if it's in the crock pot. All right. Uh, next one, Norman Rockwell, little Norman Rockwell. Look at the attention to detail in this. I mean, look at the people in the office behind this girl. I mean, I just, I mean, these people, yeah, they do have a lot of time on their hands. And then the last one, just along the theme of what we're talking about this morning, we're talking about the resurrection and Thomas and the disciples. Um, checking Jesus to, to make sure that all of this is real. Look at the attention there to how, how they do those shadows in this picture. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. So, so anyway, there's a little bit of, of coronacation for you. Uh, you know, but I, I and I love that. I, I love the fact that people are finding ways to think positively and focus on the positive through this. That's something that we all need to do. We, need, we don't need to be getting dragged down into depression. We need to be finding positive ways to, to spend our time together uh, when we're not together. And so, so that's coronacation. But I think, you know, it, the reality is that when we strip away uh, the fun, when, when, we, when we go to sleep at night or when we watch the news, we're, we're reminded this, this really isn't a, a vacation. Uh, this is more like uh, Corona chaos. Um, it's it's it, it feels like our foundations have been shaken from from underneath us. And it was mentioned earlier about uh, seniors. I have a, a high school senior in my house, and so we we dealt with the grief this week. She had been holding on to hope that the school year was going to end in some kind of a normal way, that there might be a graduation, that there might be a prom, and all of that was was taken away this week. So her foundations are really shaking right now. And I know for many of you, the foundations are shaken in different ways, in financial ways. Some of you are leaders in your business. I mean, I, I don't need to recount all of, all of those ways because we, we're all feeling that right now. But so as those foundations shake, I'm sure many of you are tuning in here this morning looking for some hope, looking for some some solid ground. Some of you may be tuning in for the first time uh, to Grace Point. Some of you may be participating in an Easter service for, for the first time ever. Maybe your normal routine, what you're used to, is, is going out for, uh, you know, an, an Easter buffet lunch or brunch with your, with your family, and you're not able to do that. You're kind of trapped at home this morning. And so you're, you're looking for, for some hope. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is that I, I think in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of everything that's going on, the, the timeline turns us to Easter. And, and I want to read to us from the, the 
account of the first Easter from Matthew chapter 28. You don't have to turn there right now. You can if you want. But I I just want to read this to you this morning. And I want you to listen for how much chaos there actually was this first Easter. It wasn't just a quiet, still morning in, in the garden when when the women went to see Jesus. There was a lot of chaos going on. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. All right, so there's some chaos for you. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. I mean, that would be pretty unsettling. And his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. See, there's so much chaos going on here. The the angel has to say, it's okay. Calm down. Don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Come see the place where he used to be lying because he's not there anymore. See, these these people had gone through unbelievable chaos in the week preceding Easter. I mean, these ladies who came to, to finish the embalming process, they came expecting to find a dead body, the dead body of someone they had been following for years, and they thought he was he was their hope for the future. He thought he, they thought he was someone that they were going to follow for the rest of their lives. And they had pledged their life to him. And here he was dead. And so they came to finish the embalming process. Now his body is gone. Everything is topsy turvy. Everything is chaotic. And what I want to talk to us this morning about is how the chaos that they experienced that first Easter translates to stability for us. Because this event that, that we just read about, and this event that we're, we're gathered um, virtually to celebrate this morning, is not just a spiritual idea. Okay, it's not just the idea that um, it's spring, and so winter is gone, and now new life is coming, and so we kind of slap a story onto that about someone rising from the dead. It's not just a spiritual idea. It's actually a historical event. It's actually something that happened. And if you're not convinced of that today, we're we're publishing a blog. A blog is going to go up here in a few minutes with some resources for you to dig into the historicity more of of this event. But it's not even just a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago and is disconnected from us. It actually has personal implications for me and for you And we're going to talk about those this morning. And it could be that all the chaos that we are experiencing in our world, through all of that chaos, God may be shaking things up in your life to get your attention because he has some good news that he wants you to listen to. And we're going to talk about that this morning. If you have a Bible, the verses that we're looking at today are going to be a good summary of what God has done for us. And if you have a Bible, 
uh, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. If you, if you have a print Bible like this, it's towards the back after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Keep going, and you will come to a very small book, just a few pages, called Colossians. If you have it on, on your device, if you have your phone, if you're watching on TV, you want to pull it up on your phone, you can do that. You can even Google those verses and pull them up. For those of you who don't have access, easy access to the verses, we're actually going to put them on the screen for you this morning. But if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to follow along and be able to see right in front of you uh, what we are, are talking about. The book of Colossians was a letter written to a, a church, and it was written 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the purpose of, of writing it was so that the Apostle Paul could explain to the people in this church at Colossae the implications of, of Jesus' resurrection, what it meant for them, how does it make a difference in their lives. And what he wrote to them is just as relevant for, for us today. So let's read uh, just these two verses we're going to look at here this morning. Colossians 1.13. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And what this boils down to is that God did something so that you could have something. God actually did two things, and we're going to talk about them specifically, so that you could have two things. And so before we do that, before we kind of unpack this and see what what he did for us, I, I just want to point out the fact that many people think the opposite. Many people think that instead of God doing something so that you could have something, we're supposed to do something so that God will have something. I mean, I, I think about this related to money. I think about the way sometimes we, we preachers talk about money. It, it's the idea that we're supposed to give God something. We're supposed to make a sacrifice so that God will have what he needs to accomplish what it is that he's wanting to do. And quite honestly, I mean, that whole concept is just pretty wacky. Because in, in the book of Acts, it points this out really, really clearly. Acts chapter 17 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God is a God who gives. He doesn't take. He, he doesn't take our money. Um, he doesn't take our freedom. I mean, there's, there's a point that some people get hung up. Well, God just has all these rules, and he's wanting to take all my fun. If you think that's a new idea for you, I, I hate to burst your bubble. Actually, I, I don't hate to. It's, it should be burst because that idea is as old as, as time. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When God created all these things and he gave all of them to the first man and woman except for one tree. And, and the enemy of God, the enemy of our souls, Satan, came to the man and woman and said, God is holding out on you because he told you you can't eat from this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what the three of them neglected to think about in those moments was the fact that God had said, you can eat from any tree of the garden. You can eat from any. It all belongs to you except for this one boundary. 
And, and the picture that we get is that God is so gracious and giving and benevolent and good. He makes all this available to us. His, his benevolence is huge and great. His boundaries are small. But the, that first man and woman bought into that lie that God is holding out something good that we should have. And so the irony is that the enemy was accusing God of taking their freedom when in fact it was the enemy who was taking their freedom and enslaving them. God doesn't take our freedom. God is the one who gives us freedom. And that is actually, that, that's actually what he accomplished. That's actually what he did. The heart of what God did, that God did something so you could have something. That's what we see in verse 13. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Let's talk about that for, for just a moment. So when you hear the word domain, it's, think, think about the idea of domination. I mean, they both come from the same root word. And domination has to be, has to do with being controlled by someone who does not have your best interests at heart. So what this makes me think of is if we go back to the day when there used to be professional sports happening. And back in August, the Eagles and the Ravens played. And for the first half of that game, the Ravens dominated the Eagles. I mean, it was total domination. And what I love about this moment is that I can say this, and I know some of you at home are groaning, but I can't hear it, and you can't do anything about it. And so here I am. There are actually people here in the room groaning as well because Daryl's here. But but there, there was a domination happening. If it makes you feel any better, um, the, the Ravens got dominated later in the season and had a spectacular flame out. But that's neither here nor there. So domination, domination is a horrible horrible feeling to feel like you are completely out of control. Maybe you have been in a job situation where you've had a boss who is dominating. Maybe you've even been in a relationship where, where a spouse or a parent was dominating to you. It makes you feel helpless. It makes you feel hopeless. We were born into a world where we are dominated by evil we are dominated by sin. We are enslaved by sin. We didn't choose that. We, we do choose to sin, but we didn't choose to be born into a world where we'd be dominated and enslaved to sin. But that, that's the reality, and that's what we have to learn to deal with. And what God did is he intervened into this world... Well, let me back up and just say this on this. We're born into a world dominated by sin. That's why you don't have to teach your children to sin. That's why you don't have to teach your children to disobey you or to talk back to you. It's just natural. It's just innate in, in us. And we, we have that sense that we are dominated by these things. We, we all have things that we wish that we could change about ourselves that we just don't have the power to change. That's why it says... God delivered us from the domain of darkness. That, that's what was happening at that first Easter. Jesus was breaking the domination of death and of, of sin. He delivered us, and then the second half of verse 13 is that he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
So he took us basically from one kingdom where we were dominated by sin and he transferred us to this kingdom that is led by his son, Jesus, who loves us. That the word transferred here in in ancient times was used to talk about a, a mass relocation of people. And so when we think of mass relocations of people, generally we think of something negative. We think of refugees. We think of people being driven, for example, out of Syria and into places where, where people really don't want them, but it's not safe for them to stay at home. We, we generally think of negative examples of that. One positive example that's happened in, in modern history is the, the relocation of Jewish people to a new state of Israel for them in 1948. Prior to that, they were scattered all over the world. And then a place was created for them to be a sanctuary, such as it is in the middle of, of the turmoil of the Middle East. But there's a safe place for them, a relocation. That is what God wants to do for us personally. He wants to take us from a place of, of danger and he wants to bring us to a place of, of peace. And I, I saw just a great example, encountered a great example of this in a, a family right here in our church just in the last few weeks. Evan and Abby Yates are a young couple in our church who just adopted two children from Ukraine. And they went to Ukraine to bring them back right as all of this pandemic was hitting. And in fact, it was questionable even if they were going to be able to even get home. But thankfully, God provided a way for them to get home. They have their children here now. And I want you to hear some of their story. Take a listen to this. So Eloise and Ben have been transferred from a place of, of hopelessness, real hopelessness, to a, a place of hope. And now they have a new family. They have a new identity. They have new new names. They have a new hope. They have a new future. That is what God wants to do for us. He wants to take us from a place of hopelessness, bring us to a place of, of hope. And that, that is what verse 14 talks about. So, so God did things. God did things like Evan and Abby did something so that their kids could have something. God did something so that we could have something. Verse 14 talks about what we have. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Two things that we have, redemption and forgiveness of sins. The, the word redemption basically means freedom. It means to be set free, to be set free from our past, to be set free from our guilt, to be set free from, from the power of sin in our lives. So as I talked about earlier, that there are things in all of our lives that we think, I wish I could change this, but it's too much for me. I can't overcome this just by my willpower. God's power is greater than our willpower, and he's able to set us free from those things. He wants to redeem us from those things. He sets us free from the fear of death. I mean, think about it. During this season, thinking about the, the coronavirus, this is making death more real to me than it, than it normally is, quite honestly. I mean, I live most of the time not really thinking about my mortality or the mortality of people around me, but this is making me rethink that. It's making me be more careful for, for the sake of my loved ones, 
for, for the sake of the people uh, that I interact with and my, my neighbors. I'm, I'm saying I, I don't want to be a carrier and, and I don't want to lose those people and I don't want to be separated from them. The fear of death is, is real. But, but what Easter is all about is being released from the fear of death because Jesus overcame death. And he says, because I live, you also will live. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And he who lives and believes in me will, will never die. See, that, that is where our hope needs to be. Our hope needs to be in Christ and in his triumph over death, not in a vaccine not in a cure for this coronavirus, because, I, I mean, I have sobering news for you this morning. We, we will get through this pandemic, and we will get past coronavirus, and it'll be a thing of the past, but people will still die. The, the mortality rate is still 100%. And so I don't say that to be a downer. I say that to be realistic. But what, what Jesus did for us is he makes the separation that we experience in death temporary. When, when we lose someone we love, when their faith is in Christ, when we are trusting in him, then the, the separation is only temporary. He sets us free from the fear of death. So because of what God did, we have freedom, we have redemption, and we have forgiveness. Have, have you ever blown it really bad and asked someone for forgiveness and they just were not at a point where they could give it or they, they would give it? And you find yourself stuck in this place and in this space where you really, you really recognize that you blew it and you really wish you could wipe that out and replay the tape and do it differently, but you can't. And so you're asking for forgiveness and that person just can't give it to you. And so there's this irreconcilable difference that, that you have. Have you ever been in that place? It's, it's miserable because you're wanting so badly to bridge that gap, but you, you aren't able to do it on your own. I think some of you listening may be there this morning with God. You may feel like you have blown it so bad that he can never possibly forgive you. And, and you may feel stuck in that space of saying, my, my past is so bad that I can't overcome it. And now I'm going to be separated from God because how could he possibly forgive me? But here's the good news we see this morning that because of what God did, in Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, some of you are afraid that you're not worthy of God's forgiveness. You know what? You're right. None of us is worthy. Just like all those gifts that we talked about earlier, all those gifts that you shared with us that you were thinking about, there's so many gifts we receive that we don't deserve. We can't earn our way into God's favor. We can't earn our way to blot out all that we have done, but God doesn't expect us to earn it. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, God did something so that you could have something. And what he asks of us today is that we would not ignore 
what he did, but that we would embrace it and receive what we can have because of what he has provided for us. Kind of like Avi and Evan Yates went to the Ukraine to deliver their kids, to rescue their kids and bring them here. God went to the grave so that he could deliver us and so that he could transfer us into this new life so that we could have the gifts of freedom and forgiveness. But we have to choose it. We have to, we have to choose to receive that gift. I mean, think about Eloise and Ben as they grow up in this new home with the Yates. It would be possible as they grow, they, they could refuse all the things that their parents provide for them. They could, they could put a wall up around themselves, and we pray that they don't do this, but they could put a wall up around themselves and not receive the gifts that their parents are giving to them. And similarly, you and I, we, could, we can put a wall around ourselves and not receive the gifts that God has given us, but why? Why would we cut ourselves off when he is so benevolent and wants so much to give to us? Right right now, in the middle of the, the corona chaos, there's an action step for you wherever you are spiritually. So if you're watching this morning and you would say, yeah, I'm, I'm not really following Christ. I'm, I really don't even know that much about Jesus. I'm not religious. I'm, I'm really not into all of this stuff. If, if that's where you are this morning, then what you have the option to do, what I would encourage you and exhort you to do is, is to simply pray this. God, in light of what we're talking about this morning, God, because of what you've done, I receive what you give. God, because what you did for me, I receive what you give. When, when you do that, you're, you're able to cross over into a new life. You're able to receive all the good gifts that God has for you to provide for you. That's hard. Sometimes it's hard many times for us to admit when we need something. It, it requires humility. But, but the gifts, the gifts of freedom and forgiveness are waiting for you. You can, you can pray that right where you are. I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a few moments and you can pray along with me. There are some more resources uh, on our blog. If you go to blog.gracepointpa.org, there's some more resources there to help you in, in that decision. For many of us this morning watching, we're, we're here. We, we've been following Jesus for a while. We believe that he lived, died, was raised from the dead, and we're celebrating him today. But maybe you aren't fully living the new life that he has called you to live. Maybe you aren't fully receiving the inheritance that he's provided for you. We talked about that last week, that God provides an inheritance for, for us. And so maybe your prayer this morning in light of what we've talked about is, God, because of what you did, I embrace everything I have that you provide for me. I embrace the, the peace, the freedom, the empowerment to be able to live my life in a way that pleases you. Why? Why would you miss out on that when God 
provides so much for you. We're actually going to continue, as we continue in the weeks to come, working through this book of Colossians, we're going to see more and more of what God has provided for us and more and more of how to embrace that and to live in it. But for now, this morning, I would just invite you to pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning from from all over the area and, and really all over the world as people tune in. Lord, recognizing that you are a God who gives. Lord, forgive us for the many times when we think you are a God who wants to take from us. You're a God who, who gives and you're a God who makes gifts available to us that we do not deserve. But Lord, we, we thank you for making them available. And Lord, we ask you to give us humble hearts to be able to receive them from you. And so, so now, just pausing my prayer for a moment, but keeping our, our eyes closed, um, I just want to talk to those of you, and I want to pray with and for those of you who are listening this morning, who have never trusted Christ as your Savior. I'm just going to pray that prayer that I just shared earlier, and I just would invite you to pray that, either in your heart or even out loud where you are with me. Jesus, because of what you did, I receive the gifts that you give. I receive forgiveness. I receive freedom. And I want to live in that freedom from this day forward, following you, listening to you, trusting you. And now for for those who have been following Jesus, but may need a refresh because maybe you've not been living out this new life that God has provided. Would you pray with me? Jesus, because of what you did, I embrace all that I have that you have made available to me. I don't deserve it, but I embrace it and I want to live in it for, for your glory and for the good of the people around me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.